Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hey everybody, welcome back to Team Wealth Radio. I am excited, as I am every week, because we always have such phenomenal guests. Uh, But there's a woman that I started stalking on Instagram, (laughs) and she still doesn't understand why, but I just love real people who post real things and don't care what people say and comments and things like that. So after stalking her for a little while, I found out that she has a son that's an actor, and because I'm also uh, an agent that represents actors in the film and TV industry, I reached out because we had too many things in common to not be friends, and she has agreed to come on the radio show and talk a little bit about her life because she's done some pretty cool things. Um, so welcome, Sue Robbins, to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brandy. <laughs> um, was that a good enough introduction? Did I do okay? <laughs> you have that's, a stalker. <laughs> I hadn't realized that, but that's okay. I'm glad that you were able to admit that. <laughs> Oh, goodness, I have so many issues. I figure I'll get a couple out on the table at the beginning. <laughs> um, so you, you've you done a lot of things in your life, and you've overcome some great challenges, but you've also been able to inspire a lot of people. Um, you've done a ton of things. Like, I'm looking over the one-pager about you, and there's there's so much going on in your life. So can you just tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you're passionate about and kind of what drives you? Sure. Um I guess I'd describe myself as a writer first. That's what I do for paid work. And I also co-own a health communications company. Um, But I'm also a mom of three. I have three kids. Uh, My eldest is 25. I've got a a 22-year-old. And my youngest son, Aaron, who is the actor, is 16. And Aaron also happens to have Down syndrome. So um, when he was born, that immersed us in the world of disability, and there was certainly lots of learnings from that. And um, I was also diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago, so uh, lucky me, I got the experience of being a patient in the healthcare system. And so I would say I'm still recovering and healing from that. Um, My kind of one of my main messages as I bump through life is, you know, life is hard sometimes. But we can also do hard things. So that's kind of what I like to talk about today, I think, about the hard part and doing hard things. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I find that we all have our hard things and at different times in our life, the hard things feel like they're the hardest things in the world. And then you overcome them. And then something else that you never thought would even happen happens. And I guess that's part of the journey that you've been on, eh? It's just you get gobsmacked on a Tuesday with things once in a while that you never thought would come. Yeah, it's funny that things you worry about aren't actually the things that end up happening. It tends to be something else. So, and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in when you get knocked down because we all get knocked down in life. Um, people often talk about getting back up and the happily ever after and stuff, but we rarely talk about what it takes to get back up. And I think that's the an interesting conversation, right? If you've been brought to your knees, what does it take to actually get back up again, the healing piece of it? Um, mm-hmm. And that's something I felt, I mean, I, I still struggle with that now uh, after having cancer, but 
I guess resiliency comes from being knocked down and figuring out how to get back up. That's the only way that we learn. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, before all of these great life experiences you had, when you were a little kid, what were you like? Were you an optimist, a pessimist, a realist? Did you play in the mud? What were your kind of, what were you like as a kid? Uh, I was very shy. Um, I would say I was very reserved as well. I I know in high school, which I'll date myself here, was back in the 80s, I was like a total nerd. And this was before nerds were cool. Like everyone says <laughs> now the nerds run the world. But back then, that wasn't the case at all. Like it was more the jocks that were cool. And I, I wore a lot of brown in high school. And I realized... I think that part of that was uh, me trying to blend in um, and not be noticed and be small and invisible. And, and so I didn't, I tried not to take up a lot of space. So I, I, I think one of the reasons I'm a writer is that books were great comfort to me and, and good company. And I actually didn't have a lot of friends in high school and it was really books I turned to this is before the internet and, and, you know, we only had three TV channels and two radio shows to listen to. So really the only thing to do if you were bored was to go to the library and get books. So I, I was a huge reader and I think I disappeared into that world, not because I'm some like literary genius or anything, but just because that's all I had back then. So I was, yeah, yeah I, I was a nerd girl, which I, I do, I kind of, I can appreciate that now, but at the time, I think it, I was quite lonely in high school mm. in particular. Yeah, I can totally relate with some of that. I, I I played the sports with the jocks, and then I hung out because I liked computers too, so I hung out with the geeks in the geek hall. And, but my high school had almost 3,000 people in it, and the, each hallway was for a group, a clique. So yeah. there was like the jocks in one hallway, the geeks in the other, the, the I don't even know what the other groups were, but there was there were several, <laughs> the artists and... And I had friends in every single one of them. And so I didn't want to hang out in anyone because I didn't want to be part of that clicky thing. So I hung out in the library all the time. And like, I literally joke with the librarian that she was my best friend in high school. Even though she was, because I just loved books so much growing up there. And, and I would go there at lunchtime when everyone else was being like, oh, I don't hang out with you. And I don't hang out with you. And, and I would just immerse in books, like you said. So I love that. That's so cool. It's good to know that there's like a common haven, no matter where you grew up or where you are. <laughs> yeah, kind of I, I, I love libraries nowadays are trying to be more welcoming places, which I think is wonderful, like more mm-hmm. community places and available to everybody. And in high school, sure enough, I had my locker near the library. So that was like, because <laughs> it was very important for me to be close. But you know what? That helped introduce me to writing, mm-hmm. which I think is a wonderful thing and liberal arts and it kind of re- reading books opens you up to whole new worlds, which which is great. I think so. There's, I mean, I ended up with a liberal arts degree, an English degree, and and although, you know, it was my parents weren't very happy about that, and they were dismissive about the idea of me having an arts degree. I remember we used to be called artsy fartsies if we were the ones that were hanging out in the humanities, but. Really what that does is it, it helped me teach me how to write and, and be curious mm-hmm. and learn how to read critically. And I think those are awesome skills for anybody to have in the world. They're, you know, those right brain kind of skills are, are popular. But I did actually, I ended up, I ended up starting in nursing and then I transferred over to English. But Oh, wow. That's a switch. <laughs> it's a bit of a switch. Yes, definitely. 
That's so interesting. So what, what put you in nursing? So what was your journey from high school to college to go to nursing school, or I guess university? Like what, what made you go to nursing and then what made you pull out of that and go into writing? Well, my mom's a nurse and my aunt's a nurse and I was supposed to be a nurse. And I don't think that's anything that anybody told me. I think it was something that I just picked up and in, probably in an attempt to please my parents, that's what I ended up choosing was that route. Um, just reflecting back on it, right? I, I don't think I thought about it too much. I just did it automatically. And mm-hmm. I see that nowadays with other parents and their kids, like that you know, sometimes parents want their children to be mini versions of them. And I think that I had fallen into that, that I had to be a nurse because my mom was a nurse and my aunt was a nurse. And so I didn't even question it until I got into nursing. Um, And also there was a lot of pressure because I was the first person to go to college in my family. And so I took the degree program for nursing. And, and so there was felt like a lot of weight, I guess. And so I, I just, automatically went into nursing and two years in I realized that it was totally not up my alley at all I was I was what I would call too soft to be in nursing it would you know things would 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 bother me a lot uh you know I I I would get kind of sick like watching actually I couldn't inflict pain on people that was my biggest problem with nursing so and no dominatrix or nursing ever again in your future those are your two careers you <laughs> terrible I was terrible at it I love people and their stories and I loved working with patients and but a lot of nursing is you know it's you have to bear witness to a lot of pain and suffering and I really struggled with that especially because I was only 19 yeah wow and so what took you to writing? Like, when did you go, okay, I'm done with this. I'm making the jump. Like, you clearly sounded like you were done pretty quick into into nursing and being like, I don't want to do that. Or was there one catalyst that made you go, no, writing is where I'm supposed to be? Well, I always, what's weird about me choosing nursing is nursing is a lot of, like, the sciences and math, like biology and, and um, you know, Pharmacy has a lot of math in it, and I did okay in in those kinds of subjects, but I did really well in English and social, and so I should have really listened to that for my high school career, that maybe I should have picked something that was more towards the liberal arts and the humanities, but I didn't. I, you know, did what I was supposed to do because I was kind of a classic good girl, too, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think I was always drawn back into the humanities, and I actually ended up winning a a contest, a literary contest, uh, when I was in high school with our, our local newspaper. And I think that I always had that in the back of my head. I actually won honorable mention. I think I got $25 for it and a plaque, which I still own. Yeah. And it was a story, it was a fictional story of, well, as a lot of fiction is based on real life, about a girl who felt excluded in her own family. And um, I like to write a lot about how things feel. That's kind of my thing. And so it caught the attention of the people who gave out the award. And I ended up winning the award for it. But my family was so angry at me because Mm -hmm. they felt that I was kind of betraying some family secrets and stuff. So it it kind of shut me down, even though it was fiction, but an element of truth that they saw in it. So I think I tucked it away in the back of my head, but then when I was becoming so dissatisfied with nursing, it just naturally bubbled up again. Yeah. Um, 
We, I would love for people to follow you and stalk you on Instagram or Twitter or whatever as well. So we are going to go to commercial break very shortly, but I just, in case anyone wants to uh, follow, um, Sue's Instagram is birds eye view book. And I'll make sure that's all in her bio below. If you're looking, listening to this on iTunes or whatever after, um, so you'll be able to see the links there. But if you wanted to follow her immediately on Instagram, it's at birds eye view book. And then Twitter, it's Sue Robbins, Y-V-R, but it's S-U-E-R-O-B-I-N-S-Y-V-R. And we'll go over that again before, uh, but we got to go to commercial break and we'll be back very shortly with Sue. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, everyone, we're back with Sue Robbins. Uh, if you didn't get her Instagram you don't, and you want to stalk her like me, feel free to go to Instagram and look up Bird's Eye View Book, uh, and you can see all the great things that she posts on there. We're just talking kind of about some of her early life, and uh, we got into how she became a writer um, and what kind of inspired a lot of that. So is there anything else that you wanted to tell us about becoming a writer and the, and the process? Because I know a lot of our listeners are attempting writing, and, and a lot of them that struggle with depression or anxiety, they write down their thoughts. So that it, it's it's on a piece of paper in front of them. Do you have any suggestions for them in regards to that? And, and just tell us more about you as a writer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I well, I believe that writing can be very healing, and I I think that's because <clears throat> random things happen to you in your life, 
But if you write it down, you can make meaning of it. Like you can create a story that kind of has a beginning and a middle and an end or a dot, dot, dot to be continued. But once you write it down and start telling your story, it actually is healing every time you say it, whether you say it out loud or if it's in the written form. And I, as a child, I think because I was so lonely, even in my own family, I did a lot of journaling. But in those days, I had a diary, like that's what it was called. And it had the lock on it and everything, right? So nobody could get in so I could lock my diary. And I still have those. They're a bit painful to read because a lot of it was about like, oh, I had a crush on this boy and, and that kind of thing. That's a, But really just writing out your day-to-day is a really great way to start. It, it It's just, I mean, it almost, when you're going through a hard time, it makes you real if you write it down. It's not just swirling around in your head. And I think that's some of the value of writing. So I definitely started like that. And, and it's funny when I um, transferred out of English or transferred out of nursing to go into English, you know, my parents were so angry at me. They were the kind of, you know, my parents were the type of people where, you know, they were blue collar people. My dad was a tradesman. My mom was a nurse. And, you know, they, they didn't see any other kind of life except something where you got up, you put on a uniform, you went to work. Like they just had, had never experienced any other kind of living. The idea of being a writer was like so out there for them that they were not supportive of it. And um, they, I ended up, they threw me out of the house and I had to, I had to, uh, uh, they cut my tuition off too. So I had to figure out how to go get student loans and stuff. And I was still getting a degree, which was kind of ironic, but it was the wrong degree. So they had felt strongly that I needed to get this one nursing degree. And when I decided on English, you know, that was kind of it for them. And that part was really hard too, I think, to be able to stand up and say, you know, no, nursing's not right for me. And there's nothing worse than, you know, being a bad nurse. Like I didn't want to be somebody who was miserable at their job either. Like I had a sense of that. And, but when I transferred into English, my, um, I don't know, maybe I did this to spite my parents a bit, but I ended up picking my major, um, my concentration was Shakespeare. So it was like the most like not practical thing I could even imagine. And that's what I ended up getting my degree in. Um, but I did love it. I have to say that, you know, I, I mean, it's, you get your degree through reading and writing, which was a wonderful thing. And that's what I had done really well in high school. And so in retrospect, that's really where I should have been to begin with, as opposed to trying to please my family and going into what they thought I should do. So, um, I mean, winning that award helped. And I'd say after I got out of university or college, I, I worked a lot in healthcare, but kind of in administration. So I still had my foot in healthcare and I worked for the Department of Health with funding and like all sorts of things where I still use my writing skills. But when I really became a writer again was after our son Aaron was born um, and then he was diagnosed with Down syndrome and I realized I couldn't go back to work like back in the cubicle full-time job after my mat leave was off because I needed to be available for him. He had lots of health stuff going on. I had to take him to the hospital. Like one of us had to have a flexible work life. Uh, between my husband and I so it ended up as it often does for women (laughs) it ended up being me because I made less money than my husband but that's actually when I found freelance writing was because I needed something that I could do like I could do in my pajamas and from home and in the middle of the night and so it's almost like Aaron brought me to that place so there there's lots of positives and negatives I think about him being born and 
And though my income might have dropped, I think I ended up in the place I really was supposed to be. Um, and it was because I needed the flexible work time. And mm-hmm. um, I, I remember even reading an article in a magazine, just a, it was a food magazine. And I, I read it and I thought to myself, I could write that. And there's something really like powerful about that. When you say those things to yourself, it's like, so it's like, I could do that. And so I sent that magazine an email and asked how they had writers. And they're like, sure, we're looking for freelancers. And, and it just started that way. And I remember once I had a couple of bylines um, under my belt, you know, I've been published a couple of times in magazine articles. I did up business cards and on it, it said it, I was called apostrophe Sue's at the time. That's what I called the apostrophe with the grammar and stuff is my little clever name for my writing. But I put writer on the business card and you know, what's great about that is like, nobody argues with you. They're like, you know, you hand out your card and it says you're a writer. People aren't going to say, no, you're not a writer. You can't do that. Like it was. And so I, you know, when people say they want to start writing, I, that's the kind of thing I'd recommend is you start calling yourself a writer. Um, so, so tell me, I, kind of, I was kind of reading through things and what you were just talking about, um, I mean, I don't know if this goes what you were talking about. Maybe I'll save that one for later. I just, I'm curious about the health communications part, but let's go back to your parents. I love that you brought up that your parents aren't always right and that we have different opinions because I think so many of our teens out there come to me and they're like they're not listening to me about my mental health or my struggles or whatever and they tell me I should do this but I know I should do this and it's hard because you want to impress them and you want to make them happy but you also need to forge your own life and and I think all of us think that our parents put too much pressure on us whether they put very little or they put a ton because for us they're the people that brought us into the world and have fed us and whether we think they're right or wrong we still want to make them happy because they gave us life so I think a lot of our teens really struggle with and I say to them I'm like just do more dishes, take out the laundry without, take out the garbage, do your own laundry without being asked to do it. And then they'll see that you're mature and that you should have a voice in the household. And maybe they'll listen to your outside of the box stuff. But that's literally the only advice that I can give them from, from your experience with your parents, what were they like? And um, I mean, you did tell, tell us basically kind of what they were like, but is there anything else that might help a young person who might be kind of clashing with their parents on ideas and what advice would you give them at, at being a parent now? <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with unconditional love. And I think that we all crave that, like that our parents love us no matter what. So even if we screw up, even if we, you know, choose the wrong thing or we make mistakes that love isn't withdrawn from us. And ideally it's like that, but, In my case, you know, my family had, my parents had a very specific route for me that I was supposed to take and I didn't take that route and they withdrew their love. Like that's like, I don't know if they'll be listening to this, but I mean, I've been in, I've been in tons of therapy. So I kind of understand like why I am the way I am. And I've got a big fear of rejection and I want to be accepted and I'm a pleaser and I want to be liked. And all that has to do with really wanting, you know, mostly my mom's approval. And I think that's a very biological thing. My therapist has told me that, that that's at the core root, right? That's how we continue as a human race is because we have to bond with our mothers in particular biologically. So when you don't get that from your mother, it's a very, very painful thing. And I don't think it would matter what I did. My mom is really critical person. Like it, I could never do good enough. And I've, 
I'm like age 51 and I still feel as if I still can't do good enough for her. So after a while, you kind of have to, I think I, I gave up. It took me many, many years of trying to please that I realized it could actually never happen. And I, but I think the counter to that is to listen to the people that are pro you and yes. it might not be your parents. So I happened, I was very fortunate to have a grandmother who loved me unconditionally and it, you know, it didn't matter what I did. She still loved me. She didn't withdraw love or attention or anything. And, and really, you know, putting my energy into people who believed in me, like my grandma or friends that I had, um, or I had an aunt too, who was only 12 years older than me. And she was a bit of a mentor and how I kind of wish for all kids that they have an, another adult that's not their parents, that they're able to go to, whether it's a teacher or something, because uh, parents, as parents get very wound up with our kids, and sometimes we have a hard time differentiating between what we want for ourselves and what we want for our kids, and we can drag our kids into that. That's that kind of mini-me thing. And I see a lot of parents like who have kids in their 20s, they're, you know, my age, and there's still that whole helicopter parent thing. You know, it's, it's about the parents. Like they forget that part of being a parent is letting your children go. Right. And I think a lot of parents have a hard time with that. So, you know, finding your supporters is, is really important and it might not be your mom and dad. I mean, I think that's really important to hear because you're, I mean, you're a parent, so <laughs> that's good because I think you, you learned that. I mean, it took a while to learn. I think we all, take a while to learn that and your parents all have different things and and I, I don't think there's any excuse but I always say to people I'm like your parents are just humans too they're just still trying to figure out what they went through with their parents so we're all just <laughs> yeah. I know the ones that push sometimes it's because they want you to do better than you did and that's why they're so harsh and other ones are just you know so confused about some things I think so I always tell people like don't stress about it do the best that you can and then that's about it On the, on the teenage side, what advice would you give to your teenage self looking back on anything, not just parents, uh, maybe on career or anything? What would you want to tell 16-year-old Sue Robbins? <laughs> um, I'd say you, one thing is, I think the main thing is I would like to tell myself that you are worthy of love. Like that's, it's like, might sound a bit woo-woo, but I think it's a real basic thing that a lot of pain in this world comes from is that we don't feel we're worthy of love. Like, I, I, I love Brené Brown and all the work that she's done as far as, uh, she, she's got this great TED Talk. She's a social worker. She's done lots of research about value and worth and shame and all that kind of thing. But she says, you are enough. Right. And so even if I don't get 100% of my report card or even if I don't look a certain way, you know, I, you know, when I was growing up, I always, the other thing I want to tell my younger self is you are not fat, like, and you are beautiful. And, you know, to counter all these things, this negative uh, reel that I had running in my head for many, many, many years. And, and when I look back at pictures of myself, and I just, I wish that I could tell that young girl that and that she would believe me, I'm not sure she would have believed me necessarily. But, um, and I would, I would tell her to listen to her grandma because her grandma is the one that tells the truth and believes in her, right, to pick out yeah. that person who really supports you. So it's why we get these voices in our heads that I think we live with for decades 
you know, until maybe something happens and, or we have to, we end up in therapy and we kind of have to undo that voice in our head and redo new stories in our head. And for so many years, I had that story that I wasn't worthy of love and, and unless I was perfect, right? Like I had this idea that I had to act a certain way in order to get love. And I learned that from my parents and, and that, that's a hard thing to carry around that whole perfection thing. And certainly it can get, you can get into eating disorders and, you know, like doing things that are not healthy to try to fill that hole. And I, I certainly was guilty of that going along in life. I think it was actually getting cancer was the thing that I say brought me to my knees and I had to figure all this stuff out just recently in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. I wish that I had gone to therapy earlier. I think oh, it would give me a better mother, honestly, but I didn't. So there's no use regretting that part yeah. of it. But talk therapy, talking to somebody who's not judgmental, who doesn't pass judgment on you and talking about your feelings with a, you know, a professional is like, has been so, so valuable for me. Yeah. I, I, uh, well, I mean, the hardest job in the world, I think is being a parent and there's no school or training for that. So we're definitely going to talk more about that when we come back from this commercial break, everyone. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You 
are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm sorry I did it again. <laughs> I keep doing that. I'm like, oh, where'd it go? Oh, goodness. I'm bad today, Sue. I'm so glad you're here and doing most of the talking because my brain doesn't function on some Mondays. <laughs> so we talked about you um, and your parents before, and now you get to be a parent. So let's talk about your kids now. Tell me about your kids and what they have done for your life. I have three very diverse children um, who are I, I say we. I have an emptying nest, so they're not all gone. My my older two have are grown up and and moved out of the house. So they and they they come from two different marriages too, which is something I didn't really mention before. But I got divorced from my first husband when uh, my kids were like three and six. So that in itself was kind of a great adventure. That was one of the times where I got knocked down. And it took me a while to get back up again. Uh, being a single mom and I, I was at home with my kids when my first husband left and so I had to find a job and somewhere to live and daycare and like there was a lot of economic instability with that and but I think you know for my kids you'd have to ask them directly but it certainly did help make them resilient too I have to say and um, uh, Isaac's my oldest and he's 25 and he's a musician he lives down in the states and um, he's a drummer in a punk rock band. It's actually grindcore, very specifically, um, which is a subgenre of punk. And I, I've seen him like on video and stuff, but I saw him play uh, a couple of months ago. He invited me and Aaron went to his show at, <laughs> at a pub. Um, and man, can he play the drums really, really fast? That's what I'll say grindcore is, like super fast. It's actually amazing to watch him, but he's very creative soul, Isaac. And I think one things my one of the things my parents taught me about that whole unconditional love thing is that's what I wanted to give my kids. And so Isaac uh, was a challenging teenager. Um, I I have this great picture of a porcupine, and underneath it says, "I just want a hug." And that's what Isaac was like as a teenager. So he was very prickly, but he, of course, all our kids need love. So I made sure that even no matter how prickly he was, I still never gave up on him and always loved him. And I, I think I did that to compensate for some of what I had experienced in childhood. Um, and to this day, I remember he told me, he, when he told me he was moving out of Canada uh, and moving to LA one day, um, we were sitting in the car, we had just gone out for lunch and I, I said to him, it came as a surprise. Isaac tended to be like that. Like the day he moved out of the house, a pickup truck pulled up in front of our house just randomly at the end of October one year when he was 18. And I said, why is there a pickup truck out there? And he's like, I'm moving out today, mom. And then that was it. He moved out. And same thing when he moved to L.A., he told me, uh, okay, mom, I'm moving to L.A. next week. And I had no idea that was actually happening. So I was like, but the one thing I asked him is I said, Isaac, do you feel like you've been loved in your life? Like that was so important to me that he had felt that no matter what he did, that he had that love. And and he looked at me and he would tell me a truth. He's a truth teller. And he said, yes, mom, I, I do. And I think if you feel that inside of you, no matter where you get it, even if it's not from your parents, 
it almost makes you in, like invincible. You can do anything. And so I've really watched Isaac blossom that way. And he's got, he's like the most resourceful guy I've ever met. Like he's done tours around North America, living in a van and sleeping on people's couches and, and stuff. And I, I really admire, he's got a very strong sense of himself. So I'm super proud of him. See, I like talking about my kids. I'm like a typical mom, right? This makes me <laughs> kind of live vicariously through them. And I've written about Isaac too. Actually, the one piece I had published in the New York Times, it was um, it was called Far From My Tree. And it was a piece about Isaac uh, not going to college right after high school, which, you know, like in my circles and my suburban life, that's all the kids went to college immediately they, after they finished high school. And Isaac opted not to do that. And, you know, I wrote about my struggle with wanting him to do what I had done, right? Like gone down the same path and that he had chosen such a different path that was so far from my tree that that I, I wrote about how, you know, I came to a place of acceptance with that. And I think there must have been an editor at the New York Times that had been going through a similar thing with their kids because they picked it up and ended up publishing it in the in the Sunday New York Times but it just shows like these are kind of like universal things and Isaac was my muse for a while I used to write about him a lot um, and he used to read it you know and give me his approval and his blessing and but until a few years ago and and he said to me mom I don't want you to publish about me anymore and so that was that was hard uh, he said I don't mind if you write about me but he said, "Some sometimes it's a bit close to home. And I realized that at that time that those were his stories. They weren't my stories anymore. So that was that was a bit of a hard lesson. But we're still proud of that piece in the New York Times. You can Google my name and it comes up. And it talks about his punk rock existence. So that's Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He's a cool guy. <laughs> he's got lots of tats. And he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a very cool guy. And his sister, Ella, see... This is what happens when you're the middle child, right? Because you get squished in between the eldest and the youngest. But my middle child, Ella, is 22, and she was just out visiting. She lives in a different city going to university, and she's just finished nursing, which is very interesting because she chose nursing, I hope, on her own. There was no coercion in it. In fact, one day in the car, I find kids talk to you in the car more than anywhere else. Like, she... She said, I, you know, I was saying she was in grade 12. I said, oh, are you thinking of going to college? And she, she had good grades. Like she always kind of said she was going to go to college. She's like, yeah. I said, what are you going to take? And she said nursing. And it totally came out of the blue. And I asked her, why, why nursing? Why did you pick that? And she just said simply, it's because of Aaron, her younger brother, who has had lots of experiences in the hospital. And, and, um, and then she's never said She's, that, that's all she said as far as explaining it. And so she's graduating this year. She's all done. Um, and she wants to work in pediatrics with, with kids, which is so cool because that's kind of full circle for her because she started, she picked nursing because of him. But it's almost like she's, I'm half, a, we always joke in my family, I'm half a nurse. So like if you hurt yourself or something, I kind of know what to do, right? I have some basic first aid, but now Ella's a full nurse. And she can like totally start an IV or stitch you up or do whatever you need to do. <laughs> yeah. That's cool though that she kept the family tradition, you know. Yeah. And her parents family. can't be too disappointed. At least you inspired one of them to get there yeah. <laughs> in yeah. a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's like she's very, very quiet and reserved, I I'd mm. say Ella. Um and like I said, middle child, right? So I worry that she has 
got forgotten a little bit because then I got remarried when she was five um, to my current husband, hopefully my last. If he he plays his cards right, right? (laughs) And um, we ended up having Aaron together. And Aaron's our kid with Down syndrome. And it's funny because we'd been through, both been through a divorce, obviously, because we were married to different people. And Mike has two kids from a previous marriage. We had a very complicated family when we first got together. And then we had Aaron, and then he ended up having Down syndrome. And Aaron was kind of like, like, of course, <laughs> Mike was, or sorry, Mike was like, of course we have a kid with a disability. Like, it wasn't a surprise to him at all. So, um, but we call him our love child, our third child, Aaron. So, uh, we're just going to go to commercial break very quickly, and then we'll come back, because I, I know Aaron's a pretty special young man and makes you giggle a lot and makes his older brother and sister smile as well and inspires them, and he's becoming an actor. So I'm just curious what that's like for, for a mom, because an actor is, an, is, is one of those things like a writer. So you got to get the... You know, you got to see the parents go, oh, which way are you going and what are you doing with this? Something that's not a concrete have money in the bank all the time thing. And now you're watching your son want to get into that line of work as well. So we'll be right back after this commercial break again with Sue, everyone. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are tuned in to teen wealth radio to join in the conversation send an email to brandy at globalteenwealth.com that's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, 
everybody. Welcome back. We only have eight minutes left with the phenomenal Sue Robbins. So I'm already locking her in for another show. <laughs> Whether she knows it or not. <laughs> she uses such great content. So, so tell me what it's like having your youngest son want to be an actor. Because that is not a career that most parents go, oh, yeah, that's stable. Go for it. So how are you being a writer, supporting your son in quite a unique industry, especially since he's a unique child? Well, for Aaron, this is all Aaron, I have to say. And we decided we'll support him as far as it goes. That's kind of what we thought. Same with Isaac. You know, when he started drum lessons, I'm like, oh, my God, the drums in our house, like the practicing, and it's so loud. And But, I, you know, we drove him to his lessons and everything because that's what he wanted to do. So for Aaron, Aaron's, Aaron's a very interesting guy. So he's 16, and he has Down syndrome. And he's into things like luxury cars. He watches a lot of YouTube and he wants to be famous. That's a, that's very important to him. And he does like to perform. He's actually, he takes all regular classes at his high school, which is super awesome and doesn't always happen for kids with Down syndrome. Uh, you know, often kids are in special ed classes that are a bit segregated in you know, different parts of the school and stuff. And I know that still happens nowadays. That's what it was like when I grew up, right? I had never really met anybody with a disability before I had my own son because people were hidden away. Um, but Aaron is out and he takes classes and he takes drama and he loves drama. And I think part of the reason he loves drama is because there's a lot of girls in drama, which is what has drawn him to it. But he had a chance to try out for a specific part for um, a teenager that had Down syndrome. And so we thought we'd give it a go. We worked with the coach for a little while and went in with the casting director. I just drove him there and I said to Aaron, do you want me to come in? He's like, no. So I just sat in the waiting room and waited for him. And he was in there for about 20 minutes. And the feedback we got from the casting director was awesome. Um, I, I See, it shows we put expectations on our kids. I didn't think he could memorize the lines. I didn't think he would know there were two pages of lines that were, I mean, there weren't that the part was written for someone with down syndrome. So it wasn't like super complicated or long words or anything, but he totally nailed it. Like he went in there and he was acting. He wasn't just reading the lines and apparently he did some improv and did some robot uh, walking backwards stuff. And he made them laugh. And, and that's when an, an agent became interested in him to pick him up to say that, yeah, I think this kid has something here. So we kind of came about it from a roundabout way. Like we didn't, like say, okay, you're going to be an actor, put him on some path. He tried it. And the great thing about after he walked out, he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't, he talks, I don't want to say simply, but very directly. So it's hard to ask him why questions. Sometimes he can't answer them because he has an intellectual disability. But I said, how do you feel after he walked out of the audition? And he said, I feel alive. He said, that's what he said, like very distinctly. And I thought, that's what I want, right, from my kids. I know that Isaac feels alive when he gets up on stage and plays his drums. And, and Ella, with her nursing, just when I hear her talk about, you know, working with kids and in children's hospitals, she feels alive. And so this is what makes Aaron feel alive. So that's what's drawn him to that, I think. And he loves the attention, too. And you know what is interesting about, I think this is the first time where his difference, his disability, is a strength for him. It's not something that the systems, like the education and healthcare and social services, they see it as some sort of deficit. 
when it's actually not. The fact that he's different, I think, in the creative field is a good thing, not a bad thing. And it gives him an opportunity to have like a job where he would make real money as opposed to, you know, they kind of give you this path, the government does, and say, well, you're lucky if you can beg groceries part-time, right? Like that's what you kind of get told if you have a kid with a disability. Not like there's anything wrong with begging groceries, but I want him to have the same opportunities as my other kids did. So I can see there's, I feel, I don't know, you tell me, Brandy, if I'm wrong, but there feels like there's more acceptance of difference in, in that whole acting world. I yeah I mean I think it it I mean acting is just people right from all over the place so I think there's I mean there probably is in some cases for sure I know a lot of our actors are heart centered people they're all creatives and heart centered and they are emotional like the ones that are really truly actors and I think there's definitely more in that spectrum and then maybe in the side where there's just all about the celebrity and the fame and the money and all that kind of stuff maybe not as much but I mean that's the great thing about all of us is we're all humans and we're all all over the place <laughs> for that so um but yeah I, I mean the world has really in film just in even the last three years changed so much. Like there's so much more, like a lot of our Caucasians aren't getting cast in anything because there's such a focus on diversity for ethnicities now, which I love. And I think that's fantastic. And, and actors with disabilities and uh, unique quirky traits and things like that. Like those are the ones that are now being pulled out. Like Melissa McCarthy 20 years ago would have never gotten the lead. And now she's one of the biggest superstars on earth just because she's a different shaped woman, <laughs> you know? She's a real one, so I think acceptance is becoming such a bigger thing. But accessibility is still something that's really not in terms of safety on set and things like that. Like one of our wheelchair actors, there's it's really quite hard for him to maneuver around a set because there's cords and wires and things like that. Nobody thinks about it because there, there are there's 3,000 moving pieces on a movie set. So I think we are emotionally ready for all that kind of stuff and accepting but we haven't put it into practice for a lot of uh actors yet with disabilities so it's something i'm very curious about have you have you seen accessibility as a a struggle for your son at all in his life or on set or just in general i i think this acting the acting world's the first place where i feel like he's been accepted as opposed to like, okay, so for say sports, he loves sports. Aaron loves sports. And he used to play soccer, right? When he was little, you know how the five-year-olds play soccer? Well, soccer, even at age five, gets super competitive, mostly because of the parents, right? And Aaron, he doesn't run that fast. He's kind of got a bad knee and he's not, you know, he's not super fast. Most five-year-olds aren't fast, but it got to being competitive so quickly that he was no longer welcome on the soccer team, right? Because they they wanted to win games and this kid was slowing them down from winning games. So, you know, then we had to move over to Special Olympics because they're more open and accepting and, you know, he wanted to play sports. And for him, he didn't care where he was playing sports, but I'd say that he wasn't necessarily included in that world. And even thinking about the academic world with school, I know in high school, a, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the teachers for kids to get good grades so they can get to the good colleges. And, and they're really focused on the academic pieces of school. And, and Aaron has to be in class and things have to be modified for him. So he's, he's always like kind of been separate that way, right? And we're always looking for places for him where he feels belonging. I don't care like where it is. And, and I'm, 
I'm hopeful that, like you said, the acting world is more accepting of quirkiness, like, because he definitely has that. And he is a fun, he is a funny guy, although he can't just automatically act. Like, he has to take classes. He's got to be with a coach. Like, it's not just a whole bunch of people with disabilities are actors, right? Like, there needs to be training and support for folks, like you said, even before they get to the point where they can win a role, I think. And I'm not sure there's a lot of that that's happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Or even allowing a kid with a disability, allow, and I'm putting this in quotes, to be in a drama class in high school. Like, he's very unusual compared to his peers. Mm. Um, okay, so we have a minute and a half before the end of the show. So I just want to remind everyone uh, what your social media is. Uh, you have a website as well, www.suerobbins.com, and that's S-U-E, and then Robins, like the bird, R-O-B-I-N-S.com. Um, is that where Bird's Eye View comes from, by the way? From yeah. Robin? <laughs> I, I, got, I have a bird problem, obviously. Oh, yeah. You're allowed. It's okay. <laughs> I have several, so it's all good. Not birds, but other things. <laughs> um, and your Instagram is Birds Eye View Book, and then your Twitter is Sue Robbins YVR. And I just, um, I know you'll have more Instagram stalkers hopefully from this because you just, I love your posts. They're just matter of fact, but also inspiring, but also just very you. So that's great because I love people that put their own stuff on their page, not everybody else's stuff all the time. <laughs> um, so if you had one minute, to make everybody on earth sit down, shut up, and have to listen to you say one piece of advice for the rest, you just one minute for the whole world, what would you say? I would say I believe that you are worthy of love. Even if you mess up or aren't perfect, whatever that means, that's okay. That just you being you is enough. I, I think that even if your parents don't believe that, that's kind of their loss. And I really believe in surrounding yourself with people who believe in you, you know, and, and love you for exactly who you are. And those are your people. Mm-hmm. There's a, a young man that I'm talking to currently right now through Teen Wealth that uh, I think needed to hear that last 30 seconds. So I appreciate that. Uh, and I'll make sure he listens. If he's not listening right now, like I told him to, <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> um, to talk about. So I do want to invite you back for another show. I mean, you cancer and your experience that at the beginning, and we didn't even get to that. And that's an incredible life lesson and something that touches, I think it's one in every three people in North America is the current statistic. So I would love to have you back. And if we could talk about your experience and, and overcoming and support from family and places where you didn't find support that you had to find in yourself, I think that would be a really fun thing for all of us to share with you, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Everyone loves to talk about cancer, but it is, it's like, I'm being a bit sarcastic, but there are, I don't like to say it was a gift. I hate it when people say that and, or that it's a journey, like all those cliches, but there's definitely some things that I did learn from it. And yeah, I do call it my great reckoning. And I think what's interesting is how I figured out how to get back up. I still fall down. It's not like I don't ever fall down, but there were very some specific things that had to do with looking after my own mental health and, and finding my own small comforts that I think could apply mm-hmm. to any situation. It's not just having cancer, but they were the hard fought, hard fought lessons. I can tell you that. 
Oh, yeah, I, I'm, we're, we're definitely bringing you back for a whole other hour. Thank you so much, Sue. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed uh, this hour as much as I did, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Go follow our Instagram. It's Bird's Eye View Book. Have a good day, everyone. See you next week. Thanks for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests, and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you here for the next show. Bye.